0: Welcome to Specialty Stories. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week, where I get to have amazing conversations with physicians about their specialty of choice. This week is no different. I get to talk to a physician about transgender psychiatry and psychosomatic medicine. We talk to Dr. Hansel Arroyo about his journey to transgender psychiatry what he loves about it how he made a fellowship for it and so much more we start the conversation by talking to dr arroyo about his interest in transgender psychiatry
1: i became interested in psychiatry very early on i think around high school at the beginning of high school um i was at that point really into understanding human behavior and um what made people feel the way they felt or react the way they reacted. And, um, you know, as a a sort of like an extension of that also ultimately really want to understand why I react the way I react, why I feel the way I feel, I think was like really like the selfish origin of this. And um, my mom was really, um, uh, was really smart and she gave me this book uh, called emotional intelligence by uh Fender Goldberg and, and you know it was kind of like famous in the 90s and there was like this whole like EQ movement and it really like opened up a lot of of sort of like the connection between our brain and our and our kind of more kind of abstract human emotions and um and our thoughts. And I got really interested in sort of getting to understand that the connection. At that point I thought I wanted to go more into psychology. But then once I hit uh um college the the more biological component of this was was really attracted to me so i did uh, an undergrad with uh, in biology um uh, and with with psychology and then you know went to medical school sort of like with a one-track mind i'm going to do psychiatry and so i kind of powered through every other rotation through uh, med school with people to just get psychiatry and then i uh, moved to New York to train at Mount Sinai Hospital, where I did my adult psychiatry, um, um, residency. And, you know, that sort of took me into that really opened it up. And and I didn't know at that point, how much specialties in the field of psychiatry there were and how you can really kind of tailor the world of being a psychiatrist into something that kind of fits your interests. For me, it was working with people with um, chronic medical conditions and people in um, disadvantaged positions, particularly like either um, racial minorities and sexual minorities. And so during residency, I focused a lot in, in working on originally with, with um, Hispanics um, and providing care for patients who didn't necessarily have access to care and mental health, unfortunately is lives in a world where you kind of have to have to have access. You have to have either like really good insurance or to pay out of pocket. There's really a lot of, 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 of sort of like barriers to it. And in the community that I was working in, in New York City, uh, there was particularly community who were undocumented, didn't speak um, Spanish, and it was really hard for them to get access to mental health services. Um, you know, as you can imagine, there's not a lot of um, psychiatrists of color, not a lot of psychiatrists who are Spanish speaking. So there was like this community was sort of uh, being neglected. And so I worked a lot with them developing programs to improve access to care. That kind of really got me excited to uh, improve access to, care to other communities that I was interested in, particularly the LGBT community. And I started working uh, with people living with HIV which led to me working with um, um, people with the trans experience. And so I, after fellow, after residency, I went to fellowship in um, consultational liaison psychiatry, or previously known psychosomatic medicine, um, where I purely just focused in, in, in caring for people living with HIV. And then that branched into um, um, trans folk and then Five six years ago probably five years six five years ago um I, I a group of doctors and I a group of like surgeons and primary care doctors and psychiatrists we opened up a center for transgender on patients which is the center for transgender medicine and surgery
0: yeah that's that's awesome and, and really a great example of how, once you found your passion for a specific specialty, really focusing in honing in on a specific niche within that that just the the patient spoke to you and, and you you were excited to wake up every day and go go take care of those patients so uh, something I want everyone to to realize that you can you can find whatever it is out there that you 're passionate about and and create that opportunity for yourself what are some of the skills or traits you think that are important for someone who may be interested in transgender psychiatry to to have
1: yeah i i think for for people to be like interested in this field you have to have like the type of first you have to have like the heart for the community i think historically the trans community has had a lot of barriers to uh medical care in general and then on top of that to mental health care um because the relationship between mental health and and the trans community has has historically not been a positive one. Um, initially, for for trans people in America to either get access to hormone therapy or to get access to surgeries, they were, you know, for lack of a better word, forced to uh, see a psychologist or a psychiatrist for a period of like a year, and then after a year of you trying to convince a psychiatrist or psychologist that you were trans, then you were allowed to get hormones and then you have to spend another chunk of time, um, you know, being in quote unquote therapy so that you can get access to surgery. So it was timely. It was costly. It was very uh, sort of like gatekeepy and a lot of trans folks still um, have that mentality that that is what mental health services look like for trans people. And so, first, I would say that you know, good quality is to be aware of that history, to have an open heart, to know that there might be some people in the community who might not have uh, kind of reach you with open arms. Um, to care for the community is really important, and to sort of like understand uh, how there's so much like intersections in in the trans community. Uh, that they're not sort of like this kind of like monolithic um, community that there are uh, trans people who uh, may want to transition, may, that there are trans people who may not that there are trans people who need like hormone services, others may not, others may need surgical services. and there are certain people that come to see a mental health provider for nuts for things that are unrelated to you know transness that is just related to kind of day 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 to day human life. Um, so to kind of like have that. Sensitivity and mentality, it's, it's, I would say it's a key component. Yeah.
0: For the, the medical students or residents that you may be interacting with on a, a daily or weekly basis, what are some of the biggest myths or misconceptions that that those early on in the medical world have about transgender psychiatry?
1: Um, you know, I don't know if there's many, many, because, you know, transgender psychiatry in the way that we see it now is very new. Uh, the Transgender Psychiatry Fellowship uh, that I created was the first one in the nation, and it's, you know, what, four years old? There was never, like, a dedicated um, group of people kind of doing this sort of work. There were definitely silos, like, around the, the, the United States of, of providers that would specialize in, 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 in folk, But, you know, there wasn't this sort of, like, cohesive way of approaching it. Um, and I think that's fairly new. I think like some of them is, so, so there's not a, I would say that people come in sort of kind of blank slate where they come into like, into the clinic or they come into, uh, our, uh, to do a rotation at our services. Cause there's really not a lot out there. Um, even, you know, if you think of research or you think of, of, of published work you know, there were in the '90s. There was like less than like five articles on trans uh, being published a, a year, and you know that number has sort of like increased over the years. But still, there wasn't a lot of of of, of sort of like information out there.
0: Yeah, interesting. So, talk about the um the day-to-day life what is what does that look like for you as as a transgender psychiatrist as a fellowship program director what does that look like for you
1: um so it, it's a it's an outpatient setting which means that you have a very kind of structured day which i uh really love um so you know it's sort of like working outside of the hospital it's a scheduled sort of visits it's an you know, very kind of clean nine to five um, where you see patients um, for like initial intakes for an hour and for follow-ups for um, depending on what you're doing. If you're doing just medication management, it's, you know, 20 to 30 minutes. For those doing um, psychotherapy, it's 45 minutes. Um, And, you know, we do a variety of different things at the clinic. We, you know, patients can come in just to see you once if they Uh, are interested in in a surgical procedure. You know, I think before I mentioned that the guidelines require that patients be in therapy for a period of time at at some point, a year before they could get access to um, gender affirming Mm treatments. You know, those guidelines have changed and that is no longer the requirement, but there is still this um, insurance requirement that if a trans individual is interested in in obtaining surgery, they still have to see be cleared, quote unquote, uh, by a mental health provider. So part of our job is to offer that service so that it, it is as seamless and easy as possible for for individuals. And then there's the patients who you see kind of longitudinally, right? People who have um, may have mental illness and they want to address their their their, their mental illness with us. Um, so you know, I that's sort of like the, the type of patients that I'll be seeing, right? The ones that I develop like really kind of interesting relationships that you see for a long period of time, either in therapy or for medications and the sort of like the, the ones that just come in once and they're like, Hey, I need this letter to be able to get this surgery. You know, we do like a 45, 60 minute evaluation and then, you know, they're out the door. Yeah.
0: Interesting. So
1: for, for patients who
0: may be in crisis who go to emergency department it doesn't Mm -hmm. sound like for transgender psychiatry you're going to the hospital you're seeing patients it's going to be whoever's on call in the hospital seeing those patients
1: right so so that would be sort of like the the mental health or provider that's available in the emergency room you know something that we're trying to do uh at my hospital is to include an educational component to all levels of of providers in trans health. Um, Because, you know, there was this um, study that came out of like how much time is dedicated in residency and medical school um, in transgender health. And it came out to be less than four hours, like I think it was like 3.6 hours total time dedicated to this in a four year period. So, like, that's very little time. You know, before I was mentioning how there was, you know, there's people aren't as aware. People don't have enough knowledge uh, about it. Definitely not at the medical school level. And then at the residency level, depending on where you are, there might be more exposure uh, than not. So we're trying to uh, make sure that providers, not just the ones that are working at the Center for Transgender Medicine and Surgery, because you know those people are, like already specialized in this, but the people who aren't aren't kind of "quote unquote" specialized in this, that they have a base of knowledge. So if you are a, a trans individual going to the emergency room, you know that you're going to be meeting somebody who's like culturally competent, who who knows how to address your needs. Um, and you know we've had ER stories of patients going to for. I don't know, like, let's make something up. Like, uh, they, they were playing a sport and, you know, they fell and sprained their ankle and then the ER provider spends the entire time just asking them about transgender stuff, like hormones, surgeries, like sexual activity. And, you know, they're doing it like, and I would hope they're doing it because there's a sense of curiosity and they want to be respectful. But, you know, with the proper training, you know that that is not. (laughs) My leg's broken, dude. Fix my leg. (laughs) Right. Right. I'm still a fully human being. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I,
0: I had another conversation with a, a, a transgender medicine physician and she basically said, my hope is that there isn't a need for me in the future, that every patient, it's not very complicated to take, ter- take care of, of trans patients. It's just number one that you care and number one, you ask the questions and, and obviously that we get whatever baseline of training everyone needs as we go through medical training. Do you kind of see that as the same same kind of mentality of like, we shouldn't need transgender medicine specific physicians. Everyone should be able to take care of these people
1: hundred percent hundred percent. I think like we went from having a void, right, five, six years ago in the medical field, where nobody was you know, like where trans people were like going to different places and there wasn't any like formal kind of collecting of data, or research, or providers. It wasn't very visible to like now having sort of these super hyper specialized locations throughout the United States that are very kind of trans affirming and gender affirming. And I think that was just like the pendulum swinging to like the opposite side from lack to access. And then hopefully it'll land somewhere in the middle where you still have maybe have a couple of like silos or hubs where it's just specialized for trans folks, but that everybody, uh, you know, can can see, you um, Trans individuals, you know, like how like most clinics work, you have a, you know, I I worked at a uh, clinic for people living with HIV. And sure, you can go there if you want to be treated, but you know, your primary care doctor should also have enough knowledge to be able to care for for you and to care for those needs as well. It's not that complex. Yeah. Um, So yeah, hopefully that is the future.
0: Yeah. Interesting. So the the training path now, I I know transgender medicines or transgender psychiatry is still very new, and you've set Mm -hmm. up a a fellowship program. What is what does the training path look like to get through your training program?
1: Yeah. So um, the applicants usually have to have completed the four-year adult psychiatry um, residency program. We do have the option for those who are in their PGY4 to come in and do the fellowship during their PGY-4 if their residency allows it. We've had previous fellows who um, the PGY-4 year is sort of like open-ended and then you can go and and do like a a subspecialty during that year as long as you comply with whatever their minimal requirements are. And so we do also accept uh, residents in that. but The majority have already completed a four-year residency And the program is a one-year program, and you work in at the Center for Transgender Medicine um, in New York, um, with uh, collaborating with uh, our group of psychologists, psychiatrists, and transgender psychiatry is uh, it's one of those fields that has like their kind of branches in other fields. So, of course, there's a surgical component, and so the the fellow. Trains with the transgender uh, surgical fellow as well to learn about the surgeries. You know, the, our, our, the psychiatric fellow is not necessarily going into surgery, so they can to observe. But, you know, it's, it's a very kind of highly collaborative environment. We're also collaborating a lot with the endocrinologists and the primary care doctors because uh, there's a lot of sort of like interconnections between like the hormones, um, treatments, um, patients' moods and how they are affected by this and then their access to surgery. So it has like those three major um, columns, but then there's also uh, a lot of collaboration with social work. We have spiritual care available. We have collaboration with um, infectious disease doctors. So it's it's a very kind of interesting place for a psychiatrist to be uh, sort of surrounded in like the outer rings of the interactions, being not necessarily psychiatry. Yeah, um, I think that's like one of the beauties and why people are, are also attracted to this field because you can go to other fields in psychiatry where you're sort of like isolated within the field of psychiatry and and just kind of interacting with other psychiatrists. We're here. You're learning about surgery. You're learning about um, hormone um, treatments, uh, and then they're learning about you and the dynamics that you can you can provide. Yeah, it, it's interesting.
0: The The more I have psychiatrists on, uh, especially consultation liaison psychiatry, on how much medicine is involved in that psychiatry world. Um, and then the niches with transgender psychiatry, transplant psychiatry I've talked to, it sounds amazing. Perinatal psychiatry is like all these little interesting nooks and crannies that I never knew about going through medical school. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, maybe I would have been interested and going to psychiatry if if I knew about these things. So I'm I'm excited that all of this is out there for you. So for the future primary care doc out there listening to this, what do you want them to know about transgender psychiatry about taking care of their patients to help you and and to hopefully maybe not need you in the future.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say that there there has to be some cultural competency when you are are interacting with Um, trans folk, right, like to be mindful that they, we do see kind of higher rates of discrimination, higher rates of, of depression, anxiety, of trauma, and that that is going to be a big part of their care of when you're seeing a trans patient who may not have like the best compliance with their treatment, with the best compliance with their appointments, to also address the other like layers of who this person is. And that's a lot of when we come in, right? Where we want to be able to provide um, therapy to address uh, issues that may not be so prevalent. Um, you know, the a transphobic is likely to see a primary care provider first. And as most patients see a primary care provider first overseeing a mental health provider and you know, to be having that sort of like attuned mentality to, to know that there are this other dynamics, social dynamics of rejection and discrimination that are playing along, that even if you misgender somebody that comes into your office, that may trigger a lot of trauma and PTSD that might be there sort of like behind the surface. And so to have like a low threshold to say, um, okay, you know, should we be talking to somebody? Do you need an X additional help? As we know, unfortunately, there are higher rates of suicide um, in the trans community over the general population. And, you know, that goes up to like uh, almost eight times higher than the general population. So to have that sort of like sensibility is 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 key. Yeah. And, and to be able to refer to to mental health services when, when, you know, these sort of like red flags come up.
0: Yeah. It, it even starts... Uh... Uh, I, I have a child with a disability, so that inclusiveness and, and feeling of, of belonging is there as well. Very similar, I would I would assume. Um, it, I, I would even see it from like intake forms at, at your clinic. Are they very binary in terms of of gender, or are you inclusive for for everything and how you answer the phones and, and questions you ask when when you're you're bringing people on? So there there's lots of ways to just very simple ways to include everyone and. And, and not uh, hopefully exclude them and, and make them feel like they're not wanted. Um, so for the kind of day-to-day world that you live in, it sounds like very much uh, all of the different aspects of people that you're working with. Is there one specialty that you work the closest with day in and day out?
1: Uh, I would say um, the primary care endocrinologists. Okay. So they are, so they are the way that we design the clinic is, I hope, sort of like the future in which a lot of clinics are designed, which is you know having all services to be located in one place. Um, it's often that you go to your primary care doctor and then they're like, "Okay, you should be seeing this therapist. They are in this other location, and the next appointment is in you know seven weeks. And then there's patients get lost in the middle of that. So we structured it in which that we're all in the same location. Uh, there's like one medical corridor, there's one like kind of mental health social work corridor, and then there is uh, like nursing is there, social work is there. So that you know that, that has really like improved um, like access to care and improved um, compliance in care because it's, so it's kind of a very warm handoff when the primary care provider, which is you know to your question, the people that we kind of interact the most with. Uh, meet a patient you know they may do some kind of basic screening for um, mental health issues and then they kind of kind of walk to our office and say like hey this is so and so um, I'm going to schedule an appointment with you we meet them for you know very briefly and then the patient kind of like already has an image of who they're meeting who they're going to be with and it it really is um, extremely helpful yeah
0: what do you like the most about your job
1: um getting to meet people I love to like (laughs) like seeing and hearing their stories and, you know, psychiatry can be very beautiful because people get better and it's not necessarily immediate. It's not the type of field where if you are really into kind of immediate gratification, you want to see uh, somebody get better, like in a few days, that's not going to happen. But if you want to see somebody kind of progress throughout their lives, right? I ask people, a lot about how their mental illness affects their their love life, their family life, their work, their ability to, to live a kind of fulfilling life. And so when I'm measuring progress, I'm taking into account all these little like parts of their lives. And I love seeing like, oh, you know, before we started seeing each other, you couldn't hold a relationship. And now you've been in one for this amount of time or you know before it was hard for you to focus in completing homework and now look at this you got a good grade on, on this you know so like in a way it's it's a way to measure medical progress in a non-medical way mm-hmm. and i love getting to know people at that level
0: yeah what do you like the least
1: what do i like the least i i mean like it like anything nobody likes like the, um, administrative kind of world. Yeah. medicine, Charting, um, billing, all that fun charting, stuff, billing, all that fun yeah. stuff. Yeah. Dealing with insurance companies, um, that don't want to pay for a 45 minute visit, but rather pay for a 15 minute visit. Um, that's a pain. I'm glad that, you know, the hospital that's got, like taken away from you, but, and you get the least pressure of that, but it is yeah. stressful yeah uh, when patients have been seeing you for a um, period of amount of time, and then the intern like, "No, thank you. We're not going to pay for this anymore." Yeah.
0: yeah. If you had to do it all over again, would you still be in transgender psychiatry? Oh,
1: 100 percent. yeah. yeah, yeah. I love that I was kind of like had a couple of stepping stones in HIV and psychiatry, uh, and sort of kind of community minority work that led me to where I am. I would not change anything at all.
0: Nice. Any last words of wisdom for those uh, listening who may be interested in uh, transgender medicine in one way or another, including transgender psychiatry?
1: Yeah, I would say that to get involved, to get involved with like local LGBT, um, either clinics or programs. Often they're, they're, they're around like cities, free clinics. If you're interested and you're none. in in residency yet or you're still in medical school or even thinking about going to medical school and you have a heart for the community um just look into you know your local city or town and see if there's any like lgbt um, support groups free clinics i think that's a great place to be exposed to learn and to sort of feed that, that that interest
0: All right, there you have it again, Dr. Hansel Arroyo. If you are interested potentially in psychiatry, more specifically in transgender psychiatry, do a quick Google search for Hansel Arroyo and find out all the amazing things that he is up to. Such a great specialty for a needed population. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on Specialty Stories.